We're back. So it takes Patsu so short of an amount of time to run home, right? But then it takes them like a hundred million hours to fly back to the military base to rescue Sheeta. I'm just saying it's got to be an illusion because this whole movie's sense of time is thrown way the hell off. That's James. I'm America. Um, just a reminder in case you missed our speech at the beginning of last episode. Uh, As of the time of recording, we're on strike. Yeah, SAG and uh, WGA are on strike. Um, we are not making this to promote any studios. Um, we will only be supporting the artists. And yeah. If you want to hear the full spiel um, about it, you can listen to our last episode. We're not being paid. We're not being. Um, we're not under contract or any way to support any particular studio right now. We're just making this as an artist supporting artists and um, that sort of thing. Please support the strike. There will be links to it in our live stream description as well as in our podcast description so please go support the strike in any way you can even if it's just a hashtag so that being said castle in the sky miyazaki patsu now the time travel the pirates have teamed up with patsu to go get shida uh and so they they do i mean it's kind of that simple they roll up and they pick up shida um it takes them two passes but they finally get her uh, we see the sad destruction of the robot. Uh, she also loses her crystal in the process, uh, but they get away. Um, now, of course, because plot has to plot, Muska's people find the crystal. Yep. Uh, and everyone sort of saw which way the beam of light from the crystal pointed, so everyone just sort of knows where they're going now. All factions involved know what they're about. So the pirates abscond into the stratosphere. The Goliath gets all its people aboard, and it sets off as well, um, and somehow gaps them, but then doesn't somehow. I don't know. It's weird. Speed is not real. Um, I mean, it could be said that the pirates could go faster because their ship is smaller. Maybe, I don't know. What I do know is all of these pirates want to fuck Sheeta. All of them. I don't think Dola does. I know. Dola wants to have seven more teeth uh, because she only has like five. Um, does she really? I've never yeah, noticed. Yeah, it's one of my notes is why are Dola's teeth so horrible? Um <laughs> I don't think pirates really get a good dental plan um, no, in their profession. For sure. so. They're also dressed like medieval knights without their helmets. Yeah. Which is weird, but I I didn't really feel like complaining about I mean, the aerodynamics, costume. they're holding their hair in yeah. so that they can fly their little buzzy ships around. Yeah. It's also funny because they're like, they're supposed to be a family, right? Well, I think I don't think all of them are her children. I do think they all call her mom. No, because at one point, them. no, at one point, one of them goes to, says, "Go tell your mother." 
that we found mm-hmm. the clothes. So I don't think mm-hmm. all of them are her children. You could be right there. I think that there is a select group that are her children. I think there are some that are her directly her children. And I think that she's just like the mom of the ship. So it's just kind of like they all call her mom. Okay. But I don't think all of them are directly related to her. Well, they're all unstable and insane. Um, yes. But I, th- I feel like you would have to be to work for Dola for any period yeah, of time. Yeah, and they're all just so damn horny for this child. I don't think they get around many women. Also, they are pirates. That is stereotypical of their... Right, but this is a kid's movie, and I don't like it. So... The they they go about and they put uh, Patsu with their dad, I guess. He he's basically the ship maintenance man. Uh, and he, we call those engineers. He's a yeah. He's an engineer. Um, and Patsu is like the greatest. He's the strongest man alive. So he's great when it comes to like doing stuff. So, Patsu and Dr. Eggman hit it off. Um, what else goes on? They're, the sequence where they're on the ship is kind of just uncomfortable. Because it's just sort of like, this is your life now, now that you're part of the crew. And they've become pirates. They straight up just become pirates. Um Patsu is like the assistant to the engineer. Uh, Shida gets lumped in on kitchen duty. She is a girl. Um, and so they go about their business, and eventually all the guys find themselves uh, worming their way into the kitchen to try and work around Shida more uh, with one, the bearded gentleman who got a shit rocked by the mining boss, uh, legitimately bursting down the door with flowers, proclaiming his love for Shida. Uh, which is maybe the most uncomfortable the movie can make you uh, in that moment. Oh, really? I feel like a mustache man and like leaning in on the door was way more uncomfortable than that guy professing love for I mean, it was uncomfortable enough, and then it's just like, it's stating out loud the thing that you have not been stating out loud, and you have only been implying. Fair. And I think that's what really tipped the scales for me because it was like, oh, man, they're really implying this weird attraction to this child. And they just keep doing that. That's weird and I don't like it. And then the bearded boy busts in and he's like, I love you. And you go, oh, no, no, no. But it's also hand in hand with one of the funnier moments of the movie with uh, one of the guys peeling potatoes was confronted by his maybe brother what are you doing here? And he goes, helping. <laughs> it is a great In moment. In such a tiny little voice, he just, helping. Just as he peels the potatoes, it's hilarious. I also, again, we do have to take culture into consideration here. And we talked about it briefly last episode. But in Japan, n- nobody really bats an eye at the age of the child. Um, just due to the age of consent there, it's it's something that I had to come to terms with in anime a lot, because um, it would feel like there's a lot of uh, sexualization of young girls in anime cartoons, um, 
but it's created in a different culture where that's not necessarily a taboo thing. So there's there's that. There's my disclaimer that we do have to kind of like it's it's not great and it's not good and it's not something that we personally support and it does make you feel really creepy. Um but the culture of origin wouldn't necessarily see it that way. Are you going to Google? You going to do a Google right now? When did that happen? Ooh, when did that happen? Ooh, it got changed to 16. This year, I think. Oh, shit. Congrats, Japan. For the first time since 1907. I mean, 16's not great, but it's better. Um, But at this time of this movie, it definitely still was. It would have been 13. And as... And with most animes who were made before this year... um. Yeah, it would be 13, but it's it's great that it's... That's huge. That's huge, actually, that it got bumped up three years. Um, I'm, I'm really stoked for all the young girls in Japan. Again, 16, still not great, but it's a heck of a lot better than 13. <coughs> Bless you. Crimey. So... It's, it's really... It's, it, it still should be, like, 18... You should be an adult. An almost entirely fully formed person. Um, but not our culture. Not our decision. Um, also, I don't know what's considered a technical adult in Japan. I think that's different there, too. Um, but yeah, there you go. Congrats, Japan, on slightly moving forward to join the rest of the world. Okay, so... Uh... Creepy men. Also, Anna kitchen. Paquin voiced the did the voiceover for Sheeta in the dub in version. In the dub, and she just like every once in a while will have a different accent, and it's not one that's like, oh, that's an immediately noticeable this variety of European accent. It's like an almost Irish accent or an almost English. I wonder accent. if she was trying to hide her own accent. Does Anna Paquin have an accent? I don't know. Is Anna Paquin from somewhere that is not America? I don't know. We're gonna find out. I don't out. know a lot about Anna Paquin. We're finding out right now. Who's faster? She's from Canada. Oh, so it could be almost like a Canadian accent be. that she's trying to disguise so yeah. she doesn't sound like too... Could be, could be, could be. Um, Like she could almost have a French she accent. She plays Rogue. No fucking way. In X-Men. Yeah, she plays Rogue. Oh, hell Yeah. Well, then, yes, she does have a very interesting... She's got an accent. She has an accent. <coughs> um, it definitely doesn't sound like her one in Castle in the Sky, but I, she does have a very unique voice. Um, when she does Rogue, she has a bit of an accent, too. But it's a different one. So I wonder if it's just... Just her choice as an actress. Oh, I like also, her voice. She also grew up in New Zealand. Uh-huh. Yeah, there it is. All right. Yeah, we've tracked it. We've figured it out. Excellent. Um, okay. I think a lot of that would come from her either trying to, like, tone down her accent so that yep. it's, she's easier to understand or um, trying to not use it at So, all. 
after the first like day in the sky, uh, they need to keep watch to keep an eye out for Goliath. So the one of the guys wakes up uh, Patsu and is like, it's your turn to take watch, blah, blah, blah. And so they go and Patsu climbs up to the crow's nest uh, with a blanket because it's cold out there, uh, which basically involves being unharnessed and climbing up the side of the blimp. Yeah. Um, and he climbs up to the top, hops in, uh, and then Sheeta also uh, heard and saw him go up there. So she sneaks out. And climbs up there. And Dola sees her, too. Dola sees her. And then also, you can hear everything around the ship through various interconnected tubes that are used to relay messages, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dola just listens in while these two are up in the crow's nest having she, a... She opens the comm tube in her room that connects to that one up there. So I think, like, you have to, like, open it. I don't think you can just, like... And maybe if they had closed their end too, the, but I don't think they would know to do that necessarily. Right. No, they, it's the first night on the ship. So they have a little heart to heart. That everyone can hear. People the, in the, Oh, yeah, everyone's <laughs> listening. People in the uh, steering room. I'm not mm-hmm. good at ships. Um, the bridge. The bridge and Dola. The steering room. The steering room. <laughs> the place where the people drive the boat. I don't know ships. I don't know. I know. I know the bow, star, starboard, port, and stern. Do you and know where any of those are? Bows at the front, stern's at the back. Starboard is left. Port is right. I don't know. I don't sail. Um. So they uh, they're just sort of chilling there, and then Patsu figures out uh, that there's this weird shadow underneath their ship. Uh, and he radios it in uh, as Goliath bursts through the clouds from below them. Uh, and they have to take emergency evasive maneuvers as they get shot at and they have to dip into the clouds. As Goliath has found them somehow. It's the other way. Port's on the left. Damn. I was so close. We're so close. Uh, so they dip into the clouds. The Goliath is shooting at him and everything. Um. Then it's decided that they can't go get the kids out of the uh, crow's nest, but they need to keep an eye out for the Goliath, so they're going to turn the crow's nest into a kite, which is one of the dopest ideas I've seen in an airship-associated movie. It's I want to fly in that cool. kite so bad. I definitely don't. Um, so the crow's nest basically sprouts wings and a tail, uh, it pops out. It is connected to the main ship by cable. Are you sure you're a Gryffindor? I want control. Yes. And I feel like you'd have the courage if you were in the situation, but you're not looking for places to put yourself in danger. I'm not actively seeking out danger. So you're not dauntless. I just find myself in it. It Danger finds me. And more often than not, I don't know how to handle it, and my face gets the impact. Uh, so... They go up in the crow's nest, then they find a fucking hurricane, but it's not a hurricane. It's actually just the city of Lapis Lazuli, or whatever the fuck. Laputa? Sure. So, they find the floating city, and it's just shrouded in clouds that are also a hurricane, 
Uh, Goliath finds it also. You have to fly through the hurricane to get to Lapia. Yes. So, the uh, unfortunately, Goliath finds the pirates too and broadsides them proper good this time. Uh, explodes all the pirates and their ship tumbles off into the storm. Meanwhile, Patsu and uh, Shida in the kite in the kite basically just sort of glide their way through the storm. Uh, and then crash land on the island. Um, we don't see what happens to Goliath. Then Patsu and Shida wake up in the flowers as they are in the upper gardens. Uh, they take in their surroundings, and it's this beautiful place. Uh, it's so pretty. I want to live there so bad. And then one of the big old robot guardians shows up, and picks up their glider, which has landed on top of a bird's nest, but has not destroyed the bird's nest. Sets the glider off to the side. Um, and so then they follow this robot guy back to the central garden, uh, where they find basically a mass grave kind of monument yeah. thing. I don't know. I also don't know what happened to the people of Laputa. I think that some bad things happened, and which what's the ma- which is what the mass grave is for, and then a bunch of them decided that, uh, like basically it'd be safer on the ground. Like I feel like a bunch of people were like, "Lapita has too much power. Like we need to. It shouldn't be owned by one person or any one group of people." So they all went back to the ground. I think I don't really know. I don't it's know. not made clear what happened it, to Lapita. A lot, of, a lot of stuff just doesn't have explanation. But we do know that some of the lap, like some of the people of Lapita, did move to Earth. Yes. So, <sighs> pardon me. Oh my goodness. Blah. So they they see this grave, and then they hear this big explosion, uh, which is. The military, who has docked Goliath at the bottom of the city, sacking the city and just stealing all the treasure, which just makes them more organized pirates. They have also captured the Dola gang, who has survived barely and crashed into the ship as well. Their ship is messed the fuck up. It's very badly damaged. Uh, So... While all these military guys are on board, lap it up. Kids try to find their way down to help Dola Gang. And while all this is going down, Muska has destroyed most of the radios on the ship. On Goliath. Because he has a different agenda. His agenda uh, is to rule the world. His agenda is to Hitler as hard as he can. Literally. Um. So he does all that and then... The kids are about to get into position to rescue uh, the Dola gang, and then Patsu gets discovered and starts getting shot at, and then Sheeta, in all her infinite wisdom, decides to throw herself with no weapons headlong at the fucking secret agent boys muska and his two yeah i don't henchmen. i can't remember anyone's name all at once and it's really disconcerting um so she throws herself at them uh and res- successfully gets herself captured uh and patsu gets a grenade thrown at him he also gets shot in the face uh 
is another bout of Patsu survives this. Uh, Patsu survives a hand grenade and a bullet to his face. Plus several other rounds shot at him. Uh, they all miss, though, but he does get one that, like, hits him and tears his face up. Um, this is a child, by the way. He then uh, manages to remove a couple of bricks from underneath where Mama Dola is sitting uh, and tells them that he's going to free them and tells them to book it as soon as he does, cuts her loose, gives her the knife, and she uh, tells him, take this, you'll need it, and dumps a whole grenade launcher out of her girdle uh, directly into his hands, along with extra ammunition, which is dope. Uh, and so he goes, great, and dips. Uh, Muska has the crystal and Sheeta, uh, Sheeta, who has a different name because she's the princess of the They city. have longer names that are Laputin names. Laputian names. Is it Laputian? Yeah. Laputian names, Um, I, you could give me a thousand dollars right now. I think now. hers is Lucita. Hers is Lucita. His is something else. Um, it doesn't matter. They both end with the same last name. They have the same surname, which is concerning. Yeah, which it would, I mean. It makes all the perviness even more uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, but also, again, if we're talking about, like, royal bloodlines, not that unusual. True, but he also is more than willing to just kill her at the end of this movie. Uh, at the drop of a hat, he would kill her with no second I, I, I mean, I think ideally he would like her to be his betrothed, quote-unquote, um... Because they are both of Laputan bloodline, but I also think his main goal is just to be the king of Laputa, and he will do anything to achieve that, even if it means killing her off. Um, but I think, yeah, in his ideal world, his ideal plan is that they would rule together, quote-unquote. Maybe. I don't know. It's fucking weird. So, using the locket, the secret agents, and Sheeta worm their way through the tunnels on the interior of the technological side of the city. Uh, then they leave the two secret agent men in this maze-like space. I don't think we've said it that Laputa was like a severely... Um, a technologically advanced city. Yeah, like they were way ahead of the time as far as technology and everything else, mainly to, because of their use of Ethereum. Um, I, I, in my head, which may also makes sense as to why I love this movie very much, I kind of think of Laputa as, like, an in-the-sky version of Atlantis. Um, because Atlantis was, and it might even be Miyazaki using the story of Atlantis to kind of, like, riff off of. Um, but that's kind of what it feels like, is this highly advanced society that basically disappeared. Um, and... I love Atlantis. It's like one of my favorite things. I'm a full believer that it's somewhere at the bottom of the ocean. Whether it has people on it or not still, I do think it's somewhere at the bottom of the ocean. Um, but I... It's one of the reasons I love Castle in the Sky so much is because Laputa's basically just a Atlantis in the sky. Um, but yeah. Highly advanced. Techno technology is insane. Um... And it's powered by Ethereum. So, 
Yeah, I think I just, as I realized we were about to get into, like, the really nitty-gritty of, like, how all the things Muska is about to do with the, with Laputa, it would make sense to make sure that we mentioned that it was a highly advanced society with lots of technology. What's really kind of interesting to me is that Muska didn't know that the city existed. It was a myth. Then the robot fell out of the sky, and then he was like, okay... Maybe it's not a myth. And then he got his hands on some ancient texts that he talks about, uh, talking about the technological advances of the city. And then, I guess somehow he knows he's royalty? Or it could be said that, like, it was part of his family history, too. Or, like, a family story about Laputa and, like, their heritage, but he didn't believe it, and then the robot fell out of the sky, and he was like, Oh shit, great granddaddy grandpappy was right all along, and I am a descendant of Lap Laputian? Laputian people. And now I've gotta get back to my powerful castle in the sky. I don't know. So they leave the two secret agent guys in a maze that doesn't make sense. Uh go to I guess like a control room of sorts. And because the people have abandoned the city, it's just super overgrown, and the roots from that big, like, all tree have broken through into the technological side uh, of the city, just... And this is where he gets, like, unhinged as a character. Muska's like, I'll burn... I'll burn all of these roots when I'm king! And just goes ballistic about how everything is unclean and filthy. Two things with that. Um, one, how do we know that that's not how it was? Because it seems like the Laputians were pretty in tune with nature. I mean, based on the fact that it's built on a giant tree and has all this stuff. And uh, two, nature going to do what it's going to do. And that place hasn't been touched for decades At upon l- decades. Uh, I think it's a couple centuries. Yeah. So um, feel like, I feel like uh, you're going to have to let that go, my man. Like, the nature had way more... That was the nature's place. Yeah, but he doesn't know anything. He's an idiot. So he takes the crystal and finds his way to a control room. Uh, At this point, the soldiers have discovered his betrayal. Uh, And so the soldiers and the general all start hunting him down. And then he becomes an entire Nazi. Uh, It does give the Dola gang a chance to escape, though, when the military go after Mutska. Yep, yep. So... The the military tries to run him down, and they all get funneled into this, like, strange chamber that's got, like, a hologram thing in it, and it's It's like an observatory, almost. Yeah, it's weird. So, Muska punches out a bunch of fucking, uh, in his holograph form, well, he... From the room they're controlling in, there's a holograph a la Star Wars, which he descends of him and what's-her-face. She does. Sure. Into the room with the military, uh, and they are bamboozled by this, believing it to be the actual people. Um, which just tells you they're all fucking idiots. Um, and he basically shows them that he's got a WMD. As he creates a Death Star blast um, and just drops a nuke into the ocean 
basically. Huge ass uh, bomb. Huge explosion. Nearly knocks Patsu off of his dangly perch on the outside of this building. Uh, and then the soldiers shoot at his hologram, and he's like, I'm tired of you being stupid. And then he drops all of them into the ocean. Now, the city is flying. Very high. Very, very high. And Muska's doing all this talking about how he's a higher life form, he's more advanced, blah, 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 blah. Dude was born on Earth, first of all. Second of all, it's a known fact that the Laputians were just humans that were smart and then left Laputa to be on Earth, which is how he came to be, I guess. So, clearly delusional, insane man who believes he is an elevated being and uh, he's nuked the ocean. Then he dumped almost the entire military into the ocean uh, and those who didn't get dumped into the ocean sprint at Mach 10 back to their ship. Some of them don't make it. The ship takes off. Dolagang hide in the carcass of their ship uh, and prep their little mini flyers to take off. Uh, and then Sheeta like escapes her bonds and runs away. She knocks him down, grabs the crystal, and takes off. And just sort of books it, and he just sort of meanders after her. Uh, he, does a, he does do, like, a very much, like, scary horror movie, like, villain oh, walk yeah. towards her. Like, he doesn't run. He just slowly walks after her. And he does the Mark Hamill evil laugh. Oh, it's so good. Patent pending. Magnificent. Um, truly one of the best evil laughs of... The last century. Easily. Um, so he goes and he's chasing her down, talking about how they can rule together or whatever. Uh, and then Patsu shows up with a grenade launcher, blows his way, throws his shoes away partway through his climb. Oh, also, uh, they dump maybe 180 of these flying robot guys uh, to finish off the rest of the military. Uh which is cruel and unusual, in my opinion. But they don't shoot their laser eyes. They just sort of, like, move around. <laughs> but they're still invincible. So, you know, it's kind of like getting moved by a bulldozer. Uh, so, finally, Patsu's broken through. Uh, finds a little gap where he can talk to Cheetah. Cheetah tells him to take the crystal and run. Manages to, like, flick it into his hand. Uh, and then she scurries off and is chased down by, what's his face? Uh, Muska, Muska, whatever. Finally, uh, Patsu makes, uh, what some might consider to be a mistake, uh, and blows a hole in the wall so he can squeeze through and chase after them. So he does that, scurries through, chases after him. Finally, they all get into a chamber where, uh... The throne room. The throne room. That's right, the throne room. And Muska starts a monologue about how it's fitting that she would die in the throne room, blah, 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 because now I think he's just going to just kill her. Uh, I think he's considered that she's probably just not worth the effort. Um, and he shoots both her pigtails off as she monologues back at him about how this is not a throne room, it's a tomb for you and me. This is where we die. 
Yeah, because she basically... Which is insane. Yeah. That's an insane thing. It's such a change from the way that she's behaved in the whole movie. She's not been, like, afraid, really, or a coward or anything, but she's spent most of the movie, like, scurrying and running and just trying to, like, survive. And now in this moment, face down with a against a man with a whole gun who is shooting at her, she's like, fuck you, this is where you and I die. Well, Whoa! I, I think it's kind of like her character growth of being, like... Especially as a Laputian, quote unquote. Bro, she does all her character growth in four minutes. <laughs> but she does. Well, I mean, she. I think it's more since she got onto Laputa and she saw all the robots and what happened to the robots, um, and the amount of power that Laputa has. And they talked about destroying it beforehand to make sure that it didn't get into the wrong hands, like before the they they even knew the military was there. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just a lot of her, like, carrying on what her ancestors wanted, um, which was for Laputa to not be held by any human. I think it's too much power, honestly. Well, when you can nuke the ocean. And I think there was a speech about it that, like, her grandmother gave um, in a flashback. Her grandmother gave her the Spider-Man talk about how she has this crystal and it's very powerful, but with great power comes great responsibility. You have to balance the good spells, so you have to know the bad spells so that the good spells have power. It's really good writing. Uh, and just the, you know, if you have power, you have to wield it responsibly. Otherwise, you f- basically fall to darkness. Uh, but it's, it's, I won't say it's a trope, but it is the classic, oh, Spider-Man did this. Oh, Star Wars did this. Oh, Miyazaki did this. And that shit all came out in the 80s. So we were really obsessed with power and power tripping in the 80s. We were also really obsessed with the hero's journey yeah. in the 80s. So Greeks, man, they know what's up. Um, But yeah, so I think that's kind Fuck of her. Shakespeare. I think that's kind of her. Uh, her character growth is you and I die. Her character growth is I will die to protect the... Like, to, to save the world from Laputa and to, to save... save the world from you, I will die. And to save Laputa from you. Right. So... So then, uh, Patsu strikes a deal after they're in a little Mexican standoff because Muska doesn't know where the crystal is. Patsu claims to have hidden it. Uh, Shida claims that he has thrown it away into the ocean. Uh, and Patsu is masterminding this whole idea... In which he holds the Mexican standoff, secures a deal to talk to Sheeta for one minute, and then he'll give the crystal up. Uh, and so Muska bites and goes, yes, absolutely, sure. Your you minute starts minute. now. And then, and then Patsu just sort of meanders across this big chamber towards where Sheeta is. Easily, like... He wastes maybe 20 seconds yeah, of his minute. Just walking <laughs> like, you better, so slowly. You better pitch real good in the next 40 seconds what your plan is because you are burning daylight, brother. I mean, to be fair, he does. He's like, oh, yeah, it's like a two sentence pitch and he's got her. And they ultimately decide, though you don't actually hear the whole conversation, uh, that they're going to. He has the crystal. He has the on crystal. Him. He says, take my hand, whisper the curse to me. And we're going to do the, it's heavily implied we're going to do the spell of destruction. Together. And just see what the fuck happens. Because they don't know what's going to happen. Why would they know? Um, so they say the spell of destruction. 
which is one word. Yeah, I like how the Harry, spell to activate the crystal was like a sentence. Yeah, it was like a whole sentence, Latin. like a proper spell. And, and then the, <laughs> the spell to destroy everything is one word. Take that, Harry Potter, with your fucking Avada Kedavra. Two words. That's so Two. many syllables. You know how it's not very many syllables? Ballas. And then you annihilate a city. So, Harry, man, J.K. Rowling's fucking brain is dumb. Uh, I so, do like, mm-hmm. well, I was just going to say, I do like, though, that the one of the things that Patsu did, which just again, proves how great a guy Patsu is, is he took some of the responsibility for the destruction on himself, too, so it didn't have to just be Cheetah carrying that burden alone. Like, he's like, no, we're going to do this together. Um, He's the ultimate himbo. I love him so much. You love a himbo. What is a himbo? What is the definition? Talk about it while I Google it. I don't feel like you're I don't feel like you're using it correctly. Or maybe I just don't know what it is. But I feel like a himbo is not what you're using it as. Technically, according to the Oxford dictionary, it's an attractive but unintelligent man. Well, I think Patsu's very intelligent. Yeah, because I was like, if you're using it as a bimbo, a bimbo is an attractive but unintelligent think of, woman. Think Kronk from the Emperor's New Groove. Then I would not classify Patsu as a himbo. I'd say he's a ladies' man. He's he's right, but he's, he's not charisma. He's got charisma. He's he's trying his best, and he res, he drinks respect women juice. <laughs> <laughs> Urban Dictionary is wild. <laughs> Thor, Kronk, and arguably the original himbo himself, Hercules. Oh, God, I hate Hercules. Hercules doesn't try to fuck, though. T- to, in my opinion, the classical... Because Patsu's not... Patsu's only bright in that he makes the plot happen by saying it out loud. Um, he's kind of like a narrator. But Patsu, at no point, knows what the fuck is going on. He just makes remarkably good decisions front to back, and never does anything but try to help Sheeta do stuff. And his, his like, his main quest turns into his side quest of proving his dad's not crazy. Uh, and he does that with such ease upon given being given the opportunity to do so. Um, I'm going to continue referring to him as a himbo. I don't know. It doesn't matter. He's just swell. Um, He's a great guy. So ten out they ten. destroy the city. We stand with Patsu. They destroy the city. They do. And it, but only the bottom half, only the technology right, side. It really only knocks the technology side off. Uh, yeah, that's like my last note is that they nuke the city. They knock the bottom half of the city off. They are spared by the vines. Somehow they blind Muska. And then he falls to his doom. Uh, when the explosion, or when they do the spell, like a blinding light shines from them, like from the crystal, like it's like, like basically if you stared at like a nuke. I get it, off. but I think it would be more satisfying if he saw his doom unfold um, instead of just blindly stumbling around before falling into the ocean from, oh, I don't know, a couple miles up. 
But it is fitting that he suffers the same fate as all of the borderline innocent soldiers that he killed moments before. I mean, they were Russian soldiers, so... They were Russian? Mm-hmm. It's not set in Russia. No, but the military is Russian. They say that. What? No. I'm gonna look it up. The... They don't even say what country they're in. They don't, but they say that the military is Russian. That's I don't believe you. I, I strictly do not believe you. The army is whatever country they're in. Just like they don't tell you what the army is in Hal's Moving Castle. <coughs> so, they nuke the city, Muska Falls... The Dola gang bails at the last possible second. They're really trying to wait and see if they can get the kids out. The kids are spared by tree roots, uh, classically, because ever since they've been on the city, they're just always spared by tree roots. Um, so the they make it back to their glider, which is also somehow wedged in the tree roots now, um, and push themselves off. They make it back to the Dola Gang. Uh, the Dola Gang reveals that they pocketed a bunch of treasure on their way out, uh, and they tootle around with them for maybe a couple of minutes, uh, and then they split off and go their separate ways, uh, and that's the end of the movie. So, ultimately, uh, I think it's the best Miyazaki film I've seen so far. Um, I think it's the plot with the least amount of absolute insane bullshit that's unexplainable. I think the characters make pretty much correct for their character decisions. I mean, you're right. I don't know where I got Russia from. Yeah, My apologies. Yeah. Miyazaki doesn't use countries that are real in no, any of his he movies. He doesn't. You're right. I don't I For some reason, I could have sworn, but maybe I'm just crazy. I think you're just crazy. I was crazy once. So... They basically all the characters make decisions that make sense for their characters, um, which is cool to see. However, it should be noted that this is, to my knowledge, the first Miyazaki movie. And after the first movie, his characters become unhinged maniacs uh, and make totally irrational decisions that don't make sense and are terrible, uh, just like in all the rest of his movies. Okay, you've only seen two of them, so you I've can't, seen three total. You've seen three total, but you've only seen two other ones. Right, so you can't the characters, say all the un- characters in Spirited Away are dumb as hell. What hero do? Who who's that? The main character in Spirited Away. The little girl. Yeah. I mean, she just sort of has a panic attack, front to back. She might be the only rational character in that movie, um, because her parents are dumber than rocks. Um, True. And actually the most useless human beings alive. I feel like Sophie made sound choices. Sophie made a few sound choices. But on the whole, Sophie's plan front to back in that movie, in Howl's Moving Castle, is fuck it, we ball. Uh, And just I'm going to do crazy shit. And it works out for her because she's the protagonist. Uh, Howl's decisions also in Howl's Moving Castle are I'm sad. So I'm a sad, poor, rich magician. I'm, I'm sad, yeah. extremely wealthy. He does. Uh, he's just Batman, okay. And Hal, Hal is just Batman, 
and he turns himself into a bird, a la the way Batman turns himself into a bat in the nighttime, and it's the same voice actor as three Batman movies, okay? Christian Bale, multiverse confirmed. Uh, you heard it here first. Now, I want to watch Princess Mononoke because it's PG-13, so I think it's going to be gruesome, and I think it's going to be wild, and I think it's going to be just as unhinged as all the other movies, but it might be more entertaining because it's more, like, adversely rated. Um, and I have to watch Totoro uh, because that's the one everyone knows. I, uh, funny story about Totoro, and then we'll probably wrap up here. So my sister, I was on FaceTime with her yesterday. Uh-huh. And she, my brother got her a really cool birthday gift, which was Adventure Time, but it was styled like my neighbor, my neighbor Totoro. Oh, cool. And she, she's like, yeah, you know, the, the neighbor Toto. The neighbor Toto. And I was like. I'm not gonna lie to you. I have also referred to Totoro as Toto. I was like crying and I was like, do you mean my neighbor Totoro? Like, because she was just the neighbor Toto. And she went, oh. And she's like, yeah, that one. And I was like on the floor, like crying. I was like. Does your sister like Miyazaki? The neighbor Toto. Now, you know, that weird dog from that movie with Dorothy where they all ingested asbestos and dyed their skin. Yeah. Um, Toto. But. The dog. I don't think she's like necessarily like a huge fan, but I don't think she's like against them. Well. But anyways, it was just like I was laughing really hard. If we're going to give this one a rating, I'm going to give this one like a solid 7 out of 10. uh, With Spirited Away taking a meager 2. And uh, what's the other one? Howl's Moving Castle taking a a 4.5 for uh, Christian Bale having a baller voice acting performance. Uh, actually, in each movie, there's like one character who just puts on a clinic for voice acting. Uh, I would have to relook through Spirited Away's cast because I don't remember who it is off the top of my head. But Mark Hamill in this movie just does Joker before Joker, and it's just remarkable. And then Christian Bale in Howl's Movie Castle is just a clinic on voice acting, even though he's a traditional actor. Remarkable. Guys. My favorite Miyazaki film is James's most highly rated Miyazaki film, and I consider that a win. Wait until we watch Mononoke, and I go yeah. ten out of ten. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a mon- I'm not a fan. Wait till I watch Mononoke. Kiki's Delivery Service and go. This is the one. Kiki's Delivery Service is pretty good. I don't it's know. not my fave, but I it's don't know. pretty good. All I know is Miyazaki makes some of the prettiest, most unhinged movies. Uh. Up there with, like, Christopher Nolan making very pretty, absolutely batshit insane movies. Um, All this to be said, please go support the WGA strike and the SAG-AFTRA strike. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks, and maybe it'll be over. And if you really need an explanation as to why the Writers Guild needs a better contract, you're fucking dumb.